0: The Immortal Game is a San Francisco Chronicle Book of the Year and is available in ebook and trade paperback wherever books are sold. In this podcast, it's read by author Mark Coggins. Learn more about Mark and his other novels at markcoggins.com. Chapter 29, End Game Duckworth and I were already sitting down to a lunch of Big Macs and fries at the East Palo Alto McDonald's when Stockwell came up. Who the hell is that? he asked, gesturing at Duckworth. He's my partner, I said. We're starting a new business doing people's colors. Seafoam Green, said Duckworth. That's a color that would work for you, Lieutenant. Much better than that tepid, uninspired brown you have on today. Stockwell elbowed his way onto the plastic bench next to me. Is that right? Well, I think you two would look great in dog dick pink. What do you have to say about that? Duckworth tittered. Dicks and the color pink are topics I wouldn't care to broach with Mr. Duckworth here, I said. I asked him to join us because of all the help he's given me on the case. I felt I owed him. Stockwell-eyed Duckworth suspiciously, working overtime to process my comment about dicks. Okay, he said finally. I expect you'd only blab it to him later. Now you're learning. You want to order some lunch? I might even buy. No, my wife doesn't let me eat this crap, and I don't want to drag this out any longer than necessary. This isn't exactly a social occasion. And all this time, I thought you liked me. All right, then. What do you have for us? Well, first of all, you fucking broke two of Bishop's teeth off. Did you know that? I might have noticed a certain gap tooth aspect to a smile when the San Mateo County Sheriff's deputies helped him into the car. Oh, very observant of you. He says you rammed a gun down his throat. I took a big bite of my hamburger and munched on it thoughtfully. They are right about this sauce. It is special. Stockwell glared at me and then grabbed a couple of fries and popped them into his mouth. He chewed them like they were fighting back. Ketchup? asked Duckworth. Shut up. Enough about Bishop, I said. He should be glad I didn't rip him apart with my bare hands. What did you find out about the people who are dead? That you were right. The autopsy showed that both McCullough and Haystrup were HIV positive. So McCullough infected Haystrup, and when he found out he was positive, he killed himself, said Duckworth. Yeah, looks that way. We never did find a note, but it turns out he donated blood a couple of days before he died. They routinely screened donations for HIV, and when they got the results back from his, they called him and told him he was positive. The administrator at the blood bank said he took it very badly. Said he fell to pieces right on the phone. Still, said Duckworth, that's no reason to kill yourself. They can do a lot more with the virus than they used to. For Haystrip, it wouldn't just be the health aspect, I said. For a macho asshole like him, there would also be the stigma of having a disease that only gays and drug addicts are supposed to get. That and the fact that Terry McCullough had given it to him. He'd see it as a humiliating betrayal. You seem to have a keen insight into the macho asshole mentality, said Duckworth. Wonder why. I looked over at Stockwell and watched him shovel in a handful of fries. Don't look at me, he said with his mouth full of masticated potato. You brought him. Everybody makes mistakes. What about Bishop and Jody? Do they have it? Bishop refuses to take a test, and there's no way we can force him, nor can we subpoena his medical records. The law guarantees confidentiality. Jody does admit to being positive, however. It looks like she'll admit to a great deal more, too, in order to save or hide. But what about Nagel? asked Duckworth. He's the real mystery man. What's his connection to all this? Stockwell popped another fry into his mouth and smiled. Yes. He is the mysterious one, isn't he? Stockwell gave me a hard elbow to the ribs. We finally matched up that fingerprint from the picture in McCullough's apartment. The one you said didn't mean anything. Who do you think it belongs to? Your mom? Fuck you. It belongs to Nagel, of course. He's the one who hit you from behind, and he's the one who killed Teller. There's almost no doubt of it. Great, said Duckworth, but that still doesn't explain who he is. Did you ever think that Bishop's last name was a little too cute? I mean, him being a whiz at chess and having a name like Bishop and all. Yeah, I said. It did seem a little coincidental. It could have worked the other way around, though. He has the name and he decides he's going to try to live up to it. Well, that's not the way it worked. The way it worked is his name was originally Nagel. Todd Nagel is his younger brother. Aha, said Duckworth. I knew it all along. I'll be right back. Duckworth got up from the booth. Where is he going? Asked Stockwell and ate another fry. To get the color wheel, but back to Nagel. I guess that explains how he could afford the house in Daly City. Bishop must have been giving him money. That's right. We got hold of the bank records and there's a regular stream of checks from Bishop to Nagel. The phone records tie them together, too. Bishop had another unlisted number that Nagel regularly called. Not that it matters. The fingerprint and the fact they are brothers are more than enough. All right, let's see if I can walk us through this. McCullough is working for Bishop. She contracts AIDS, either by sharing needles or through sex. She infects Bishop. Bishop tumbles to it and fires her. Or maybe he doesn't even know about the AIDS at that point and he fires her for drug problems like Jody told me. Doesn't matter. In order to get back at him, McCullough steals the chess software and tries to erase all of his copies. Probably, but Bishop had an off backup service to protect against earthquakes, etc. Even if she zapped every copy in the house, there's no way she could have got to that. What I figured. So she takes the software and goes to Teller with it. He'd love to get his hands on it because he's trying to squeeze every dime he can out of his business, but he doesn't trust McCullough. Teller contacts Bishop and asks if she's legit. By now, Bishop knows about the AIDS. if he didn't know before. He could just warn Teller off, but instead he cooks up a scheme to revenge himself on McCullough by framing her for Teller's murder. He co-ops Teller by promising legitimate rights to his software, and then sets him up for the kill at McCullough's apartment. But how does he... Duckworth came back to the table with another Big Mac. Here you go, Lieutenant. I'd hate to see a big strapping man like you go hungry. And I'd like to eat a few more of my own fries. Thank you very much. Stockwell looked down at the hamburger. I could tell he was beginning to get an idea about Duckworth, but hunger won out over homophobia. What the hell, said Stockwell. My cholesterol is only 205. I've got a good 35 points before my heart seizes up. The longest journey begins with the first step, I said. But here's what I want to know, and I've wanted to know it for a very long time. How did Teller get a key to McCullough's apartment? And don't give me that nutso theory about Teller having an affair with McCullough, because that just doesn't wash. A big glob of special sauce ran down Stockwell's chin. He wiped it with the back of his hand, then licked it off. The landlady, said Stockwell. Bishop bribed her to give him a key. Bishop sent a copy on to Teller with an invite to meet him there. Nagel shows up instead and knocks you out, and then kills Teller with McCullough's gun. A gun, by the way, that was a gift from Bishop. How'd you get all of that? I asked. The landlady told us about the key when we explained to her exactly what conspiracy to commit murder was. Jody gave us most of the rest of it although she wasn't there for the kill. Duckworth pulled the straw out of a soft drink and waved it around frantically to get our attention. Droplets of coke splattered Stockwell's shirt, and he swore sharply. Duckworth was oblivious. "'Time out, you two. All this is fine and good, but I'm having trouble with the motives. I can see how Bishop would want to get back at Terry, but would we really kill an innocent man to do it? And would Jody really go along, even if she was infected?' Teller was far from innocent as far as Bishop was concerned, I said. Bishop felt Teller had ripped off the user interface of one of his earlier games. Killing Teller to ensnare McCullough would be Bishop's idea of a master stroke of revenge on both of them. Stockwell grunted. And I can explain the Jody part if you quit waving your straw around like a fucking fairy wand. Duckworth straightened his chair and set his shoulders. He passed the straw over Stockwell like he was doing an incantation. Said... Turn to shit. Stockwell sighed. You guys really belong together. You know that. If you believe Jody, Bishop blackmailed her into helping. Her dad's a federal appellate court judge. She said Bishop threatened to tell Pops that she was HIV positive. The old guy was freaked enough over her lifestyle, and Jody couldn't bear him knowing the AIDS shit, too. By the way, she claims it wasn't only AIDS and the software theft that prompted Bishop to get revenge. What else was there? I ask. Get this. She said Bishop was in love with McCullough. She said the final straw for him was when he heard that Terry and Haystrip were seeing each other. I thought that through while Stockwell finished his hamburger in two bites. And McCullough? I ask. How did she die? The how of it is pretty straightforward. It's the why I'm not sure about. The autopsy report says she died from a heroin overdose complicated by the presence of ketamine and alcohol in her system. Well and good. What I can't tell you is whether she did it on purpose or by accident or... Duckworth jumped in. Or whether Bishop and Nagel killed her. I'll bet you anything that's what happened. Stockwell shrugged and began a mopping up operation with a wad of napkins. It's possible. But Jody says no, and we can't find any evidence to tie Bishop or Nagel to the heroin in the K. Did the SFPD interview any of the street people in the Tenderloin, I ask? Maybe somebody saw McCullough scoring the stuff. You know the high regard in which I hold the San Francisco cops. They say they made the rounds and that no one saw her. But that don't mean squat when it comes right down to it. No, I said. I suppose not. Anyway, my vote is accidental. There's not much point in Bishop engineering a frame for McCullough if he's going to turn right around and kill her. Might as well have done that in the first place. As far as her doing it on purpose, she wasn't the type. She was much tougher than Haystrip, for instance. As a matter of fact, I think she liked being HIV positive. I think she delighted in the idea of dominating men, humiliating them during sex, and ultimately killing them. Sounds like just the kind of gal you want to take home to meet mom and dad, said Stockwell. Yes, but think about it, said Duckworth. There's not a single person involved in this who you could honestly say was blameless or untainted. Not Teller? He willingly helped Bishop. Not Jody. She was in it too. Haystrip was McCullough's pawn. Bishop and Nagel were obviously out. The landlady's out. Even Dale Paces out. Every one of them is dirty in some way. I looked out the window at a blonde woman sitting in an idling car in the drive-up line. She was nobody I knew, but the blonde hair got me thinking. You're wrong about that, Chris, I said. There's one person who's clean. Margaret Teller. You have been listening to The Immortal Game, a San Francisco Chronicle book of the year. Find it in ebook and trade paperback wherever books are sold. In this podcast, it's read by author Mark Coggins. Learn more about Mark and his other novels at markcoggins.com.